0: Well, church, it is a privilege to bring before you this morning God's Word, His good, true, and holy Word. Those of you who were with us last Sunday after the worship service heard the announcement that this summer I will be on sabbatical. So in just a few weeks, I will get to take that break from ministry, which means that this is my last sermon, and I hope to make it a good one so you don't change your mind about having me back. No, I'm just kidding. The girls and Kate and I are very much looking forward to the time together, and we're so grateful to Cornerstone for this opportunity to take this break this summer. We'll be here for about half the time and gone for about half the time, Uh, so we'll be visiting family and taking family trips together, just the four of us, Uh, looking forward to God's refreshing time, and then getting to jump back in here to love and serve this church for another seven years after the sabbatical, Lord willing. Well, this morning, as we continue on in our third week of the series on the Holy Spirit, we are going to see this morning how the Holy Spirit seals his people. The seventh point of our statement of faith reads like this. It'll be up here on the screen for you. It says, We believe that the Holy Spirit indwells, regenerates, seals, sanctifies, convicts, teaches, and empowers believers. To this point in our series, we've seen how the Holy Spirit indwells believers and how the Holy Spirit regenerates believers, that indwelling being God's very presence in the person of the Holy Spirit living with the one who believes in Jesus Christ. And the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, Dave taught us last week, is the moving from spiritual death to spiritual life. It is the way that the Spirit applies the merits of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross to us so that we may be made alive and not spiritually dead. Well, this morning, we get an opportunity to consider the image of the Spirit of God on the believer's life as a seal of salvation. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. You're welcome to turn there with me. I'll be reading from my copy of God's Word. I hope you have your own. If not, you're welcome to download a Bible app or go to the back page of your bulletin. It's reprinted there. Let me read Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11 through 14. I'll be reading from the ESV. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we have heard your good word and we confess this morning that your word is true. Your word brings life. Your word guides your people. And so I ask that this morning your word may exalt your Son. That by thinking on the person of your Son and the person of your Spirit and what you, our Father, have done for us, we would see the beauty of you, our triune God. Lord, help us to think clearly about the Spirit. And I ask that in the next hour, next 45 minutes we have together, that you would make me decrease and cause us, cause yourself to increase. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if we're going to be considering the sealing of the Holy Spirit, we'll be looking at this passage, but others as well. And to consider that image of the Spirit sealing the Christian, I think we have to go back and consider what this sealing is referring back to. You might think of sealing a jar. Some of you do canning of various kinds and you might can some sort of fruit or some sort of vegetable and you seal up that jar so that it's airtight. Or you might think of sealing a room to make sure that that is airtight or that the doors are locked. In, an, in the ancient world, there was a form of sealing, whether it by wax or clay, by which a document would be sealed. You probably know this. These days, we don't particularly use seals a whole lot, unless, of course, it's some sort of decoration or kid's item, right? This is a, a decorative element that you might put on some sort of a document. This one has a little M on it for my family. Uh, This may be something that children play with, or it might be something that you put on the backside of a letter so that it looks really nice. But in the ancient world, this served a function for that society, and that was to verify who this came from and to secure the contents of what was inside of it. For a king or a ruler of some sort could take his crest. Perhaps it was something like this that he plunged into the clay, if it was ancient or if it's a little more recent but still ancient, wax, and he would stamp his stamp on that and you could see that was his seal. It might have been on his ring and you've seen pressed in. That is his mark to show that it is a verification of his authorship. Likewise, it might be rolled up like this is, or put into an envelope or another kind of document, and then sealed up so that there's no tampering with this document. If there was any tampering, it would be pretty clear to anyone who received it that this had been opened up. This is a picture of what we can think of and the image that Paul picks up on when he considers the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we're going to look at two things that the sealing of the Spirit does for the believer. The first one is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, or the sealing with the Holy Spirit, as our passage says, is a verification of our relationship with God. Much like the seal holds the image of the crest of the person that created it, so too does this verify our relationship with God. Secondly, it is a mark of our security from God. Just as this would seal up the document and prevent it from tampering so that anyone who tried to do it, they would be known and found out, so too does the Spirit, when he seals the Christian, secures us from the Lord, secures us uh, in our salvation that God has provided to us. So the first one is a verification of our relationship with God, and the second aspect of sealing is a mark of our security from God. Let us consider that first one, the verification that when you're stamped with this seal, the Spirit is saying, this one belongs to my Father. This one belongs to the Father. We see in our text here, it begins, in him, in Jesus, you have obtained an inheritance. Now, we won't get into this inheritance right now, but anyone who is in Christ has this inheritance. How has this inheritance come It's come for having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So who is this working according to the counsel of his will? We might say this is God. God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. And he has predestined all those who are in Christ. From last week, we could consider the concept of the spirit regenerating the heart, right? Dave taught us how all people are born enslaved to sin, going about our days hating and being hated. And yet when the Spirit of God comes and regenerates the human heart, he takes what is spiritually dead and he transforms it into something that's spiritually alive, that no longer goes around hating and being hated, but can go around blessing and being blessed by others. So too, when we think about what is God doing when he Seals us and verifies this relationship. It is through this regenerating work that the Spirit marks us with His indwelling presence. You see, our passage speaks to its ancient origins of what is this regenerating work? Where did it begin? The passage says it began before time itself. God predestined, other passage will tell us, before the foundations of the very world, those who were Jesus's were destined for that. This is an ancient origin that comes from God himself. For the, it says here that God predestined according to his will and his purposes. You see, this is a wonderful and beautiful truth because what it means for you is that before you ever existed, before anything was ever created, God knew you. And if you are in Christ, it means that God wants you. Of no merit of your own, you've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Yet God says, I want this one. He's mine. She will be mine. Brought into a beautiful relationship with God through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit so that we can be in a loving relationship with God, not a condemning relationship before the Lord breathe new life into us, much like Adam when God formed him from the dust of the earth and God breathed life into Adam so that he took on life and not just form, so too does the Spirit breathe life into the Christian so that we might be made new. This is why we sang that song, All Glory Belongs to Christ. For there's no work in ourselves where we decided to do something and therefore God's like, yeah, I think they've earned me having them as my child. No, the passage says, those whom he predestined, having predestined us for himself, bringing us into relationship with himself, he then, by that same work, seals us. Look at the relationship between verse 11 and verse 13. I'm going to read them back to back and hopefully it ties these things together for you. It says, in him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, jump to verse 13. What else happened? We obtained an inheritance, but also in verse 13, in him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see, anyone who is in Christ is in because they've been predestined to be so. And anyone who is in Christ has been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So we see this seal, the mark upon the life of the Christian with the Holy Spirit is that we would be, a, uh, he would be a verification of our relationship with God, that God had chose us out of the world. Romans chapter 8 says it this way, "'For you did not receive the spirit of slavery "'to go back into fear.'" But you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If you take Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8, let's marry them together here. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that anyone who is in Christ is sealed with the Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 says, those who are in Christ have the Spirit of God indwelling them by which we cry, Abba, Father, and our spirits testify with the Holy Spirit that we are children of God. So then, what is this seal with the Holy Spirit? It is the Spirit himself living within the life of a Christian. How do I know that I'm sealed with the Spirit? Well, does the Spirit dwell within you? For it is the presence of the Spirit in the life of a Christian which seals them. He is the seal upon their lives. Or just said differently, Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The seal is upon your life because he dwells with you. This is the metaphor. The reality is his presence abiding. And his presence is that verification of our relationship with God. Namely, God himself dwells with you. So the first thing the Spirit does when he seals the Christian is he verifies this person belongs to the Father. The second thing the sealing of the Spirit marks us for is security before the Lord. Security from God our Father. Just like this document is secured in its contents by the seal so too does the seal of the Spirit secure our salvation before the Lord. Ephesians 13 and 14, let me reread them. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of Of his glory. This translation, the ESV, says that he is a guarantee of our inheritance. Other versions, if you have a different English translation of the Greek here, it might say that he is a down payment or a a down payment of our inheritance. That's a different way to translate it. So the Holy Spirit is either a guarantee of the inheritance or is he a down payment of the inheritance? The truth is the same either way the Holy Spirit says, this inheritance is secure. It is a sure thing. That's the question that you have to ask when you come. Okay, we've been saved. We've been regenerated. Those who believe in Jesus Christ move from death to life, but is there going backwards? Like how, how safe am I in this regenerating work from God himself? Can, can it be undone? Is there something I can do to undo this regenerating work of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's consider for just a moment what the text says. It says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance. Not like it might happen, could be possible. No, this is a down payment of God's own presence with us, giving us confidence of how sure the inheritance is. It's a beautiful inheritance also. I promised you that we would think about that just a little bit. The inheritance, what does it include? It includes eternal life with God. Not eternal death like we're all born into, but eternal life and blessing before the Lord. It includes a new world that's without any sin. It's without any death. So that, that includes your own freedom from sin, complete and utter freedom from sin. Imagine for just a second that thing which you deeply struggle with whether it's the thing which you have done unto yourself, the sin which you commit that you know you ought not to, or the sins of others committed against you, you have freedom from that in the inheritance of Christ. You have freedom from death, both your own and the death of those that you love who will be with you in this new heaven and new earth forevermore. You have an inheritance Of a new body that never grows old, never wears out, never gets joint pains or problems, no more surgeries anymore, no more disease. That's a beautiful thing. You get to live in a society of perfect justice all the time. No more bullies, no more wars, no more false accusations, perfect justice. All the time. This is the inheritance that Christians are set to inherit in Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, the seal has been marked about the sure nature of that inheritance. It was predestined before the foundations of the world that those who were to be in Christ were marked with the Holy Spirit that their security may be sure. And it's not just Ephesians chapter 1 that speaks to this reality of the security that is found in Jesus Christ by the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 1 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God started in the work of regeneration He began to transform you. He took you from spiritual death to life. He's going to see that to the end. Anyone who has been changed from death to life will never go back from life to death. That is against the character and the nature of God that he might bring to spiritual life somebody he will then spiritually kill. That is not within the character nor nature of God. Romans chapter 8 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What a beautiful sequence of events this is. God foreknows whom he does predestine. And whom he predestines, he does justify. He rescues them from their sin, and every person rescued from their sin cannot fail to attain to final glory with Jesus Christ. There is no one who will be forgiven in Christ who will not on the last day be pronounced innocent and inherit eternal life and freedom from sin. That is secure, and that is what the Spirit's mark on our life is meant to indicate, that by his indwelling, you know that there is security in the inheritance There is no wavering. Let's take the last three weeks' worth of sermons and roll them into one concept, one idea here. It is that once the Holy Spirit regenerates the human heart, he indwells that person, and in his indwelling, he seals that Christian as a verification of their relationship before the Lord and a mark of their security for salvation. Do you see what the Spirit does in the life of a Christian? He does maybe far more than you had considered. He brings about new life. He indwells. We'll learn in a couple of weeks, he empowers by his indwelling. And in fact, he verifies relationship and keeps us safe until Jesus Christ returns again. This is what a beautiful thing the Spirit does in sealing us. What a metaphor that Paul brings about for us by saying the seal set upon you is a verification and a mark of your security. I hope that brings you deep encouragement this morning. Not nail-biting anxiety as to whether or not I might lose this salvation or I wonder if this relationship will last. No, the Spirit has been placed in your life as verification verification. And security for anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who's been brought from death to life. You know, this truth brings us to two particular denials and one particular and heart uh, soaringly beautiful affirmation. There are two denials that this leads us to. The first one is that there are Christians and churches that would hold that Christians can lose salvation. I believe this teaching of the sealing of the Spirit is contrary to that, from God's Word. In the 1730s, a theologian and evangelist named John Wesley was preaching and teaching in England. He taught many different things regarding salvation and about the work of the Holy Spirit. One of those teachings from him was the possibility of a loss of salvation. Wesley's teachings began to be taught by others, and it eventually became known as Wesleyan Arminianism. And this has become part of several different kinds of churches that are, in fact, even right in our area, Protestant churches. Uh, Wesleyan churches are this way. Methodist churches hold to this theology, as well as Nazarene churches. And while this teaching is not inherently outside and contrary to the gospel, I'd say it's, it's very close to teetering on the edge that a Christian might lose their salvation. Let me just read from the Church of the Nazarene Statement of Faith what they have to say regarding this. They say, We believe that all persons may fall from grace and apostatize, and unless they repent of their sins, be hopelessly and eternally lost. Lost. In other words, it is possible for one who has received the grace of God to fall from that grace, or what has been made spiritually alive to be made spiritually dead once more. And again, this is not inherently contrary to the gospel, for they proclaim salvation, and Wesley's teaching, salvation by grace through faith, I dare say it is right on the edge, teetering there at the edge. If we want to connect it to that concept of regeneration, it is that God makes alive and he who is made alive is alive forevermore. So this sealing with the Holy Spirit, the mark on your life of the security of your salvation, I believe leads us to deny that a Christian can lose that salvation. Second denial that it brings us to is also courtesy of John Wesley. He was a good man, pious man, though I think ill taught in some of these areas. Uh, it is the second denial which is a Christian does not have the full measure of the Holy Spirit upon conversion. Rather, they need a second experience of the Holy Spirit in order to live a victorious life over sin. This is a doctrine or a theology called higher life theology, that a Christian doesn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit to begin with, that he's not fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is taught in Wesleyan, Methodist, Nazarene, but also Pentecostal churches as well. I'll read once more from the statement of faith from the Church of the Nazarene where they say, we believe that the, in, that entire sanctification is an act of God subsequent to regeneration. So we've got saved by the Spirit, changed, but there's something else that needs to happen. That's this entire sanctification by which believers are made free from original sin and brought into a state of entire devotement to God. And the holy obedience of love made perfect. How is this to happen is the question. They answer that in the next sentence. It is brought by the baptism with an infilling of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, empowering the believer to life and service. What's being said here is that there are two classes of Christian. There's the lower and the higher. The lower class, they have forgiveness of sins, but not the indwelling of the Spirit, which Dave taught us two weeks ago, is not true. The higher class of Christian has, yes, forgiveness, but also the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin so that the lower class of Christian might wait around hoping for the day that they may receive the Spirit and have victory over sin in so many areas of their life. And the higher class experiencing that kind of victory. This is why our statement of faith explicitly, I think, rejects this. That in the sealing of the Spirit and in the indwelling of the Spirit, we have all the Holy Spirit you will ever need. That the Spirit is given to you in full measure. And in fact, Ephesians points us in that very direction where it says, In Christ, you also, those of you who believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were sealed. Not, maybe you'll be sealed in the future. There's not a, I hope you have a second experience of the Spirit. No, you were sealed for all who believe in Jesus Christ. This does, in fact, lead us to one beautiful affirmation. And the beautiful affirmation is this. Our sealing with the Holy Spirit means that for all who are sealed, who have believed in Jesus Christ and have the mark of the indwelling Spirit on them, they are in a covenant relationship with God that cannot... Be revoked. Cannot be revoked. The Holy Spirit verifies our relationship and marks us out for security. That's why when we sing in just a minute the song, He Will Hold Me Fast, it is pointing to this beautiful truth. Just listen to the first verse When I fear, my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. And in fact, he does. He does hold you fast. When you fear your faith is weak and frail, he holds you fast. When you think the temptations of this life will prevail over you, he will hold you fast. When the trials and tribulations of this world seek to make you doubt his goodness, he will hold you fast. For the Spirit of God, if he dwells within you, has marked you for a secure future. He will hold you fast. So take courage, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. This is not the might of your future. This is the certainty of your future. It is not by the strength of your faith, which you will be held blameless on the last day, but is rather by the strength of your God. It is in the predestining work of God Almighty who chose you before the foundations of the world. It is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. It is by the indwelling, regenerating, sealing work of the Holy Spirit that you will be kept blameless until Jesus Christ returns. And when he returns in glory, he will take you for his own possession that you might attain to the fullness of the inheritance that is in Jesus Christ. And until that day, the Holy Spirit is upon you, a mark, sealing you off, so that when the threats and the lies and the, uh, the, the false accusations of the enemy come against you, you can say with Christ, with the Spirit, no, the Spirit screams against your threats, Satan. He screams against your false accusations that This one, this person is Christ's and that Christ will have them to the end. You are secure in your relationship with God. He will hold you fast. Let us pray. Holy Father, we praise you for rescuing us from our sins for sending your only begotten Son to die for us and to raise victorious over sin. We praise you for the indwelling and the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us without a helper. What a helper you gave to us in the Spirit. He does so much for us and so little do we maybe give him thought. Thank you for setting upon your people the sealing mark of your Spirit. Father, give us trust in the work of the Spirit on our behalf to verify and secure us. I ask that you would encourage and strengthen my brothers and sisters in Christ who doubt their position before you. Would their experience of the truth of your word, would they experience the truth of your word, that by your strength, they will persevere. It's by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that they are sealed off for the day of salvation. Give my brothers and sisters who doubt confidence in the sealing work of the Spirit on their lives. I ask that you would do this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you have made to abide in your people. Amen.